Thanks to our sponsors, Renault. The Renault Capture, the versatile, compact family SUV. You're still the one I run to, the one that I belong to. You're still the one I want for life. I agree, no right. I agree, no right. It's going to tip the scale. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen between them, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, there won't be a cloud milk and cloud for at least a week. Hello, everyone. You're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show in association with Renault. My name is Paul Rouse, and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer, Oisin McCombell, and by two men who look like they aged considerably yesterday afternoon, <laughs> former Kerry footballer Brian Sheehan, and by the sports editor of the Irish Examiner, Tony Lean. An epic Dublin Kerry match to talk about. Galway dismantling the Derry system, Westmead winning the Talchon, Hawkeye, and much, much else for the morning. We have a huge amount to talk about. But the only place to start is Dublin Kerry. Oisin, Dublin Kerry, call it as a neutral. Uh, the enjoyable, so enjoyable, um, and it shouldn't have been. <laughs> it shouldn't have been as enjoyable as it was, but it was. I loved every. Yeah, <laughs> I loved every brilliant. minute of it. I loved every minute of it, and I loved. I loved the fact that I could. I could just imagine the tension uh, in both camps, both supporters, um, the two boys here. Um, I could just. I could just. Picture it and imagine it because it gone through it in the Galway uh, Armagh match, and whew, it's a tough place to be. But as a neutral, yeah, absolutely love. I, 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 I really wanted Sean O'Shea to miss the free, and only because I just wanted more. I just, I just yearn for more of that game. It, it, you know, it, it deserved more game time, or it looked as if the players were getting. Uh, less and less comfortable with the situation as the time went on and that's really it's all it's i tell you what it's like it's very like um i remember watching sergio garcia uh at the open taking a nine and i thought yes i'm actually not that bad <laughs> and uh and it's the same you know you watch really competent uh gaelic footballers in giving that them that ball in different situations and they just make stuff happen and they make the right decision and they're thinking clearly and all of those things but the pressure just the pressure was huge yesterday the pressure was huge and it felt as if it was um a game that was running away from Kerry to be honest um and they managed to 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 eke it out and I would. It's fair to say that I would have. Qu- I've questioned Kerry on, on numerous occasions about different things, and actually at the weekend, I was probably more impressed with this win than I have with any of the wins in some time. And the reason for that is that <clears throat> it would have been very, very easy for them to go into their shell. And it was interesting the players who were on the ball right at the end. Um, like Shane Ryan was on the, phew, he was on oh, a yeah. huge pressure. He's, he had kicked one over the lane. He got the kick out of the way, but it gets to Paul Murphy and you think, 
right, Paul Murphy, what's he going to do? He's going to find a man, he's going to get a fist pass off, and they're going to try and create an opportunity that way, but no. She's Clifford uh, almost leading, like you would see uh, somebody leading in an Aussie Rules uh, game, coming from full forward and trying to to, uh, to get a mark. That's the way it looked like. And um, I was in the same boat as uh, a lot of people. When I seen the free being awarded, I was under no doubt he was going to kick the free. I don't know why. I just was under no doubt that he was going to kick the free. It's it's a very interesting one, the recovery from missing a penalty. The players who, and I've been there myself, but the players, I'm not bringing that up just because of me, but the players who, who miss penalties, uh, you, like everybody thinks, mm, you're going to go back into your shell, you're going to, you know, um, you know, it's going to really, really haunt you, but like players like Sean O'Shea, like, they, just, they just stand up and they just, they just do it and they just deliver. And uh, the way he walked after that, the, the turnover he got in the corner against Sean McMahon, absolutely huge. But I was under no doubt that he was gonna that he was going to um, kick the free. And the reason why um, I go back on the on the carry thing is that they just keep passing tests. And, and okay, some of them sometimes you just have to pass the test in a in a in a non traditional carry sort of type way. Like, if you consider the shift, and I talked about this last week, the shift and the culture shift and the mindset shift to play the way they played yesterday and and see that game out um, is, is amazing because, like, at one stage I was thinking, there's one stage in the second half I was thinking, are you insane? You're not kicking the ball into your full forward line. And the amount of opportunities you have, one on one, two on two, it's just a different way to win. And I think Kerry had to win this way. I think if they had to, you know, kick the ball into the full four lane, you know, they make stuff happen. They might necessarily be able to do that the next day. So this was an important way to win. And uh, and as I say, those kickouts, you, you just keep passing tests. End. Yeah. Those kickouts at the end. I give Shane Shane Reiner's obviously been huge question marks yeah. over him. And I thought he was really brave at the end with his yeah. kickouts, but I would I think Breno Begliok deserves yeah. enormous credit for for what he did because I thought he was brilliant in the first half. I thought he had a really sticky 20 minutes in the second half where Kieran Kilkenny maybe wasn't quite him. There's a bit of change ups going. Yeah. But but in those last few minutes, he worked harder than any other Kerry player to get free. For the kickouts, and he was he good on three, the ball when he, he did won it. three or four of those kickouts at the very end. He was the only player to win those kickouts. And yeah, as we're saying, for me, I thought it was fantastic. When you're inside in the heat of battle like that, and your your backs to the wall, and Dublin have you pinned in, it's very easy to go hiding. It's very easy to say, Thank "I need you. to take a breather here," and I'm not going to go running. I'm not going to go looking for this. And every time he made himself available, he won it. And what I liked about it, it wasn't just win it and. And pass it backwards. He, he kind of went at his man, took on his man, got Kerry out of the danger zone. And for me, it just showed massive leadership for a fella that was, you know, he's been there since I, since I finished up with Kerry, even a year or two before I finished, he was there. But he really came of age yesterday. For me, that was just massive. Shane Ryan, number one, just thought his composure when he knew the pressure was on him. But number two, it's just Brino Begley. He won those three or four kickouts and got Kerry out of the danger zone, which was just a great testament to him, in fairness. Had to be in the running for man of the match. 
I was glad yeah. Paulie Clifford got it for a couple of reasons, but um, yeah, I know the main reason why you were glad he got it. So go on, let's get this over with. No, no, you just you you wanted them dropped last week. I I I, I <laughs> see. This is where. This is where you, you know if you're explaining you're losing. I and I totally get this. I, I work on. I work on. No, I'm, only, I'm, only, I'm only joking. But it put Brian above you. Well, what he was, he was in the running for man of the match. He had to be. He had to be in in the Ragnar. And I know Kilkenny had a had a real purple patch and and Obogliuk was on him for a bit of that. But still, he's just kept showing. Do you know, Brian you makes the, Brian makes the point like about you know players who. Who obviously, by the body language and the shape and the way they fa- were facing, did not want that last ball, but he did. That's what I. Derek Kanaja referenced them. Sorry, Tony, one second. Derek Kanaja referenced them earlier in the year when he talked about when he used them as evidence of the change in Kerry and a development of a player, and he thought he had seen something in the improvement in Brina Begliuk during the year, which would stand Kerry in good stead when it came down to it. And turns out that that's. That's exactly what, exactly what what was happening. We have a whole lot of things to talk about, but I actually want to come to after the game for a second. And Tony, you were around the Kerry management afterwards, and you heard what Jack had to say. How would you describe Jack O'Connor's mood after the game? I actually wrote about it, um, Paul, this morning. I. I actually haven't seen Jack as, I was going to, I don't know, as the word elated. I would actually think, you know, the way when you've come through a massively stress-free, or sorry, stress-free, stressful situation, like it's almost like you're, you're, on, you're on a flight and there's dreadful turbulence and you're kind of thinking, will we ever get down on the ground? And suddenly, like when the plane lands and you disembark and you actually are on terra firma again and you just feel the adrenaline rush out of you. I mean, that was Jack after the game because... Be under kind no of delirium illusion. almost. Yeah, be under no illusion, lads. That would have been a catastrophic game for Kerry to lose. And it's all well and fine this morning. Everyone's laughing. Everyone's great. Jesus, you're brilliant. You passed the test. Like that then blithely ignores the 20 minutes in the second half when Kerry went back to bad habits again, bad decision-making, like nobody actually taking the game by the scruff of the neck, like mistakes leading to goals, really poor shots at critical times, like right after Dublin's goal, Kerry had three attacks and they came away each time with no score from poorly selected shot decisions. And that's why, and I personally still think over the 70 minutes, it's it's extraordinary, by the way, that nobody is mentioning David Clifford as the man of the match. That just goes to, I suppose, to show the standards that David Clifford's operates at because he was just, for me, unmarkable in the first half. Yeah, but... That's why I sat there cool as a cucumber in that 15 minutes to go. And I was looking around and I was saying, right, who now is going to step up here for Kerry? They've been in this situation before. They've failed to get over the line so many times in tight squeezes before. I texted you at that stage, Paul, and I says, it's happening again. We're in trouble here. This is what happens to Kerry. They can close the deal. And that's why I think Paddy Clifford ended up with man of the match. Because in those 15 minutes, he made so many good decisions on the ball, off the ball, kicked a great score under pressure when he probably didn't even, shouldn't probably even have taken on the shot 
but kicked a great score on pressure, then slipped inside, fisted a point over the bar. But it was his general play around the place. The one caveat I would put in in any criticism of that period, and I think it's a hugely important point, and I think Oshin touched on it there. During that rocky period, the one thing I noticed about Kerry this time was they were still excellent out of possession. The problems were actually probably decision-making in possession, but the amount of times that they hunted down Dublin players under the Hogan stand didn't fall, didn't foul, ended up turning the ball over. Like that happened at least three, four times. And that I have to say was excellent. That was the big difference I saw with this Kerry group yesterday. The fact that when the fat was in the fire, yes, they they certainly tottered and or teetered on the edge, but they didn't go this time. This time they actually hung in there and they got it over the line. And I'm glad you mentioned Brino Begliak because you know as well, you know, Oshin, the view we have from floor seven in Crow Park. And you had that panoramic view of everyone's movement. And they weren't complicated runs, Paul, oblique, but they were hard runs. And they, they were, were basically runs, exactly. they were runs that were basically saying to Shane Ryan, I'm giving you an out here. Give it to me right here, right now. Now, there was one right at the end that Oshin mentioned that ultimately led to the winning point where, where Shane Ryan had to thread one out the middle. And he did that. So, collectively... I think winning an All-Ireland semi-final, getting to an All-Ireland final speaks for itself. I just think putting that in the bank psychologically for Kerry is going to be massively helpful to them, not just in a fortnight, but I actually think to this group going forward. Mm. And, and, and I also think, having done all that and realising it's still not done. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, it's... Uh, it's, it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant for us. Isn't that where Jack? Isn't that where Jack more than anybody earns his corn? I mean, again, I mentioned it this morning. Like when the committee to appoint the Kerry manager sat down, they had three options. They had key stick with Peter Keane. They had go with the All Star cast led by uh, Stephen Stack, and there was a lot of heavy hitters on that, and it was a new direction. But ultimately. They went with the play on Jack O'Connor for a third time because, and I quote from people involved, he has a history of getting the job done. Okay, He is a serial winner for Kerry. He knows how to get over the line. And one of the key messages he spoke about yesterday, Paul, in that 13-minute press conference after the game was the fact of, look at Mayo last year. Mayo beat Dublin in the semi-final and everything thought, like, that's it. They've, they've done it. They've broken their hoodoo it's all there for them now and we all know what happened afterwards in the final so i mean there is a view but brian will know this better than any of us there'll be nobody and i think jack said this himself there'll be absolutely nobody talking about kerry dublin comes october if kerry lose the all-ireland final to go exactly. that's yeah. unfortunately the bottom line there'll be nobody in kerry it'll be another all-ireland that kerry have blown if they don't get over the line what in those 20 minutes in the middle of the second half, I think we have to acknowledge in this how well Dublin went at it in those 20 minutes that they found something. And, and I would like to reference James McCarthy uh, at this stage, who was unbelievable in the first half. I know he got done down the inside for, for Shawnee O'Shea's goal, but I think that's Owen Merchant's fault. Great Owen time. Merchant stepped out 
to take a foul in one of the most inexplicable pieces of defending I've ever seen by a Dublin Dublin defender. But Sean O'Shea saw the space and went for it. But apart from that, I thought James McCarthy was unbelievable in, in the first half. He absolutely chewed Stephen O'Brien. It was right beside, right in front of me in the in the queue. I was in with a whole Kerry crowd in the middle of the Cusick stand. It was actually great. It was great fun, or it was really good fun. In the middle of it, and the last ten minutes were especially great fun, <laughs> just to see the the, co- the collective nappy that was being worn all, <laughs> all around us. It was, it was it was really really good fun. But um, I'm glad someone enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But those twenty minutes, Brian, where Dublin came at it, what precisely was it that went wrong for Kerry in the, in those twenty minutes? I think Tony just kind of alluded to their um, decision making. I think when we we got out to the final third and our final third, which I think has been just one of those problems with Kerry, just that decision making at the end just wasn't the right one. We were we were giving balls to fellas that were that had a back really really tight to him. We were trying to kick a knife needle past him to a fella. Like there was a nice breeze blowing there yesterday as well in Crow Park and just made that bit of a kick in that bit more difficult. You see in the first half, Kerry could go long. They were able to go long from the middle of the field, whereas in the second half, you couldn't. You had to bring that extra 10, 15, 20 yards before you put it in. But I just think it was the decision-making. Um, just a couple of times, I know, uh, um, Spillane or um, Killian Spillane came on, got turned over in the corner. They found themselves in pockets. They didn't have anyone to, to recycle the ball back out again. Just maybe legs were beginning to be a bit tired. Um and it just came down to decision making. I think. I think, in fairness, I know David Clifford was outstanding yesterday, but I just thought once or twice in the second half he had two or three attempts that were probably just not on, and, and that that feeds into the momentum then of Dublin. That just gives a bit more into the momentum of your big game player is misfiring up frontier, and all of a sudden just breathes energy back into Dublin, breathes into the crowd, and then it feeds back into the team. Now, in fairness to David, don't get me wrong, he was trying to step up to the plate and he was trying to be the the leader, and I, I, and in fairness, I give him first yeah. credit for it. But it's just one of those things where it just didn't work out for him, and it fed into the Dublin. It fed into the momentum that Dublin and building momentum for Dublin, um, and it was things like that. But the one thing that was fantastic was Kerry when Dublin had the proper patch. I thought they defended very, very well. Like in all due respect, the goal they got just came from a turnover where just a ball handling by David, and Dublin just punished him. And it was probably the one time where Kerry were caught out of shape. And in fairness, it, it was a fantastic finish. Um, I don't think there's many other teams out there um, that would have that probably would have coughed up a goal or that would have scored a goal there. But fantastic finish. And it just the game flipped on that. But outside of that, I think Kerry, the defence, they, they didn't give Dublin much of a sniff of a goal, which was great because usually when Dublin get a goal, they follow up with a second or something. Second goal, yes. Yeah, and, and they didn't. And... There was just times where Kerry turned them over where you think Kieran Kenny was growing into the game. And that's the one thing we talk about Dublin. You spoke about James McCarthy being a leader. Kieran Kenny came into the game then as well and started. And he kicked, I think he kicked three points in total yesterday. I think he fisted one and, and, and kicked two. But the two points he kicked were, were excellent points. Um, but I just think that, the, that those 20 minutes, it was a decision making by Kerry in the middle third, kind of, and, and it's in the last third of the field. Um, but I think their defence really stood. I think that's the difference with Pat Talley came, uh, Paddy Talley coming into carry. I think he got that structure in place. I think Jack probably saw that this is what was needed. Um, 
And look, I think it speaks for itself. That was our first goal conceding in the championship this year. I, I, I take that point about Kerry's defence and Kerry's defence was really good and I, I absolutely acknowledge that you can only beat what you're playing in front of. But we cannot talk about this without talking about the absence of Conor Callaghan in the full forward line and the blunt nature of the Dublin full forward line where Lorcan O'Dell, who's going to be a really good footballer, was was he really struggled. I thought Cormac Costello scored a magnificent goal, but he was poor apart from that. Mm. And Dean Rock, Dublin couldn't get get him on the loop because they never won ball inside or never really kicked it inside, apart from in 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 in, in stretches. And there was a hint of looking at a Mayo team. Dublin were so blunt with their full forward line, and I think that mattered. It mattered because, as I said, he was their focal point. If you go back to the game he played this year against Kildare, everything went through. He was the, the, the Dublin kept the D wide open. They had no one inside there. They played. It, they were literally standing inside in the in, in this in the the bot twenty yard twenty yard line outside the thirteen yard line, and they were breaking into those spaces. And Con was the focal point of everything. Runners coming off him, and if he wasn't had runners, he was going at his men. You know, and that's what he brings to the table. Um, look, he, he was a massive loss yesterday, and yeah, I suppose. Look, it, we don't know; we'll never know. But if he was playing yesterday, it would have—he you know, would have definitely been worth a couple of scores to Dublin. But um, yeah, he was a massive loss. And look, his Dublin team aren't gone anywhere. Let's 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 be straight about it. I know they got a bit of slack throughout the year. Um, I think they were missing a lot of players. Like Sir James McCarthy was missing, and Con two were bigger, bigger players. So to think that this Dublin team are, are finished. Um, it, it's wrong. They're still there, but they're still reliant on the three or four big name players like Sakiran Kilkenny, James McCarthy, Brian Fenton. They're still relying on those fellas, and when they start to to vacate, um, then then I'd worry where see where Dublin are, where where are the leaders going to come from? Because look, you know you're, you're talking about being leaders. Dean Rock, look, let's, he, he had a pretty poor game yesterday. He didn't. He couldn't get there. He couldn't just get on the ball. I mean, look, in, in reality, I suppose he was just there for his free taking because his free taking has won how many games for Dublin in the past? And and look, it could have come down to a free again yesterday to, for Dublin to win. To win well, the look, Oshin, can I ask you? I mean, I was interested in that point yesterday when they were without Conor Callahan. They still gave Kerry the plus one. They still gave Kerry tight morally to sit in. I thought that they probably would have called Kerry's bluff then maybe by actually pushing Brian Howard up and actually to make mm. Tyg Morley play more conventionally. I mean, Tyg Morley still, even though he probably didn't handle as much ball as he might have in other games, he was still a huge influence in what you're saying, lads, in terms of keeping that full forward line out of the game. What do you, I mean, Justin, I know, you know, as the, old, as the old saying goes, hindsight is a great selection. No, no, but, but, but no, this is history. You know, Dublin <clears throat> Dublin have been obsessed with the fact that they feel as if they can always play around the sweeper. Always. Yes. Yeah, and, and and one of the reasons why they didn't be, they weren't able to play around the sweeper yesterday was because it, everything was so down the middle. It was so yeah. narrow. It mm. wasn't the same width in the attacks, especially in the first half. It was a little bit better in the second half. But even, like, you, you consider where James McCarthy kicked, kicked his point from. I mean, I'd say Kerry be happy. <laughs> Not happy that he kicked the point, but happy that he's that he's having a shot from there. I mean, that's what the likes of Tally's defense is built around. So I, I actually think that it is a little bit of arrogance on a, on a, from a Dublin point of view, but it's something that they have always done. So to think that they can continue to do that, I just don't think that the movement uh, and they're not as dynamic as they were up front, and that's no. why. 
they can't play around the sweep of the way they were. But I think that that's what they fancied yesterday. I think that they looked at Morley and said, listen, lads, you know what I mean? It's a sweeper, but we've been used to that. We can play around that. We've been used to double sweepers. We play, we play around that. But I couldn't believe that at some stage in the game, we didn't say, listen, lads, let's get some width into this. Mm. And the funny thing is that the game the day before that was sort of dismissed in many ways, um, if you look at the width that Galway had, and you look at the channels that they got a lot of their scores and a lot of the, a lot of the balls that even went into the full forward lane was very very wide. Okay, man up the middle, and then there's two channels. There's a right hand channel between the side lane and the middle, and probably just the edge of the D. And the other side is the exact same thing. And Dublin didn't do that that enough. They didn't get players wide enough, and I think that comes down to know how. I think that you know Dublin were, were exposed for the lack of quality apart from. Uh, the 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 three that or maybe four that we've already mentioned, and I think you know the 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 call that you're on about Tony on on Howard. I mean, it was crying out for Howard to be further up the field. I thought you know mm. he wasn't really having the impact at where he was. So I I thought that they should have played him as a sort of like a I don't know, it sounds ridiculous and going into Pep Guardiola territory, but like as a bit of a false midfielder and and just get him to walk the other way as opposed to you know creating cover for for the defense because even the cover they had uh, in front of Clifford and O'Shea and even mine when he come on it wasn't working no. do you know what I mean so when it's not working I mean you're losing out a player in some stage like it had to, like it, there was a stick or twist time for Dublin in that game and uh, and they found themselves back in the game almost just by one piece of absolute brilliance from from Cormac Costello great turnover yes but uh, one piece of brilliance from Cormac Costello, but there's a slight bit of arrogance in that Tony. In that, you know, they they felt as if they could uh, that they could manipulate and walk that sweeper and feel as if our sweeper is going to be more effective than what theirs is, and that's why they don't push you up and they have never done. Really, it's more than that though, Oshin. I think I think it's also a personnel choice because Paddy Small made a big difference when he came in with a bit of pace and power Agreed. inside. Mm. And I think I, I, I do think Dublin got their matchups wrong in certain cases yesterday. They got their selection wrong, but they absolutely got the structure in the forward line wrong. Like Kieran Kilkenny was a peripheral figure in the first half. I couldn't really understand where he was playing rather than I, I would have cited him at full forward at different stages as well, just to keep, just to try out that Kerry full back line, which but I the, think, the, sorry, the, Tony. Yeah, I was just saying the chaos, do you see, lads, the chaos in the, in the last 20 minutes you know, helps us forget the first half, and again, Oshin, what you mentioned there is, I mean, Dublin's, like, with the ball in possession were so laboured. If you actually flip that conversation around, Kerry's setup was so comfortable in the first half. I mean, I've never seen Dublin knock the ball around for knock the ball around's sake, but there was an element of that in the first half where they had possession, but they were use, they were not using it to any significant degree. And I just thought, comparatively, the thrust then from Kerry when they actually broke and the spaces that they were getting. And obviously Clifford and Shawnee Shea were on fire. So there was a huge, I just thought there was a huge difference in terms of potency and thrust in the first half. And that's, I suppose, why I wonder, was there not an onus on Dublin, like to, as you say, to get that extra element up into attack, to actually ask a question, not just of Tyg Morley, but of the Kerry shape? Because I just thought Kerry were in their slippers 
like in, in defensively in the first I, half. I'm, I'm not sure about that, Tony, because both teams had 13 shots in the first half. And and Dublin missed Kieran Kilkenny and Brian Fenton missed points that you would expect them to tip over pretty handily. So if the, they'd gone over and Dublin shipped a goal, which was an absolutely brilliant finish by Sean O'Shea in the end, totally get that, but a terrible, terrible piece of defending that you yeah. just wouldn't expect. I, I, Dublin were very uh, Dublin should have been much closer than five points at half time. And I, dis- I, I disagree with that completely. Do you? I disagree completely with that. I think I think if Kerry had scored the penalty, it would have been a more realistic uh, basis of the first half. Eight I really points. Double, I, think, play. I think a lot of Dublin, Paul, I don't know which ones you're talking about, but I think an awful lot of Dublin's wide were really poor shot selections into the wind. Mm. You could see Fenton them. Like, some of them like, were left half. foot or in the slot twice and missed. Yeah, Fenton, Fenton, Fenton's was a bad miss, but Kilkenny was under pressure. He was going towards the corner flag, kicking with his weaker leg with a breeze blowing. Yeah. John Small, two bad wides. So. I thought yeah. there was a lot of snatched efforts. I thought yeah. there was a lot of snatched efforts in that first half from Dublin. I really did. hanging up on you, Paul. Oh, yeah. No, no. <laughs> that's, that's the point of the conversation, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in, in all of this, though, it came down to Shawnee O'Shea. And I think Jack was, was, was talking about Shawnee O'Shea. And Brian, you referenced it earlier. You didn't see. You didn't see him missing, but this is what Jack had to say about it afterwards. Jack, did you send on any instructions for the last kick there in terms of the preference? Well, <laughs> so, he had to get, so he had to get instructions onto the field, but like personally from the line, I didn't think it was kickable, to be honest with you, straight up. I didn't think a man could get the distance because Sean Shea had emptied the tank. He'd, that was in the 76th minute. Um, he had... He had he had given a ferocious uh, performance up to then. And to have the resilience and the strength and more importantly the technique to kick that with the instep and just you know, glide it in from the right-hand post for some kick into the breeze and into the hill. So that has to be one of the you know, best pressure kicks we've seen here. And you've seen a lot of kicks that, that, that I've seen here in Crow Park in a long, long time. And Jack, to do it into the hill, Given the pressure, not just the technique, but and uh, having maybe missed the penalty in the first half, another play point. Well, he was. You see, he was. I, I don't think the penalty affected him because he was playing very well. He had a great start in that game. Like, he had kicked one two before he missed the penalty, and um, so I, you know, Sean is a resilient character. That was never going to affect him. But like that last kick, like there's only there's very few players in the country who could, you know, who go back to the Morris Fitzes and the Brian Sheehan's of of this world, you know, to, to kick a kick like that. But particularly the last kick and the amount that he had given in the game, you know. Brian? Well, I tell you that, if I kick that, that's going on my CV anyway, first thing this morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, kick it into the hill. Look, it, it was just, you know, I think Jack kicked the nail in the head there from the point of view of everything around the whole thing. After missing the penalty, um, you know, you kind of wonder where their head be at. Um, but I knew that it, he wasn't affected by it because, as Oshie mentioned earlier on, you know, the work rate that he, that he put into the game, he was just kind of going down, dispossessing, double-teaming someone down in front of the home and stand. And, you know, he, his body language was, was fantastic. You know, every time there was a turnover, he was clapping, he was encouraging fellas. Every time there was a score, he'd give a fist pump to, to David Clifford. So you, you could tell that the, the missing the penalty didn't, didn't affect him. Um 
and we we talk about even the context of the game when Kerry were struggling. Um, Paulie Clifford stepped up big time, but so too the Shawnee. Andrew. Shawnee won a free for us there on a the thirteen yard line. Yeah, to put the point back up. You know, he he got that ball, and first thing on his mind was I'm going to my man here and either getting a score or getting a free. Um, but um, yeah, look as, as Jack said, they are in, in the whole element of the things from the point of view of your into the hill that are very very vocal and you're just looking to the blue sea behind you uh, the, the cheering um no in fairness look i think that kind of stuff you you just blank out over time with experience i, I think if you asked him this morning did he hear it i don't think he said say that he didn't because it's just one of those things when you're in the zone you don't you don't take any notice of it um but it, it was just a fantastic kick and what i like about it is there was 10 or 15 or 20 yards left in it Mm. That ball hit the net well up the back of the goal. And there was a bit of a there was a nice breeze there. You see mm. I you see the clip from behind the goal of how far out to the right he had to set it. Um look, it was a fantastic kick and you know um yeah, if I kick that let's tell you be on the front page of my C V. In fairness, you did. You had a similar kick, didn't you, uh, into the same end? I'm, I'm remembering. It was I against know, it was, Mayo in the, was it the league final, or was it? Was no, it, it was semi-final? the All Ireland semi final, Brian, wasn't it? It was the All Ireland semi final on a really wet and windy day. Don't be making excuses, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I had a few. I missed in the All Ireland semi final against uh, Mayo into the Canal end to win it. Canal end, yeah. No, there was it, yeah. no. You would. You definitely had a free into the hill end one year, and I, I was thinking last night what game it was. It was it was over more to the Hogan stand, but it was still a long, long way out. Like I suppose my question is, what is he most concentrating on, Brian, in that moment? I mean, is he just concentrating purely on a pure strike? That's just just technique. Just it's just getting the contact. And the big thing about it, what I love about it is the more you go to force those kicks, the more that it, it, it'll come off wrong. It's your leaders you won't connect with the right. And just he trusted his technique. He knew he had the distance in the in the bank and that one again. Do you know what is funny? Shane Wright came out to the goal because he wanted to have a goal and straight away. Sean he said no. There was, back, no yeah. there was no conversation. I like to see him going though. I like to see him you going. Know? Um, you know, so you know, in that time because I I've done it myself. For you, you you're trying to force a few kicks. You you're trying to force um, a free. Actually, sorry, I, the one I you think of actually was the semi final in seventeen. Against me, or that's right. Yeah, it was um, a wet, a wet day like that, and I probably went to force that one. I think I forced it, and I got this. I got too far underneath it, and it didn't have the distance on it. Um, but Shawnee connected with that one, and you could just see he trusted his technique that that he had enough in the legs to get it over. That if he went to force that, that's where you'd slightly miscues. Um, so in fairness, that comes down to just practice. I mean, and, and, and trusting and trusting what you've done, the work he's done on it. And just as I uh, mentioned that one in 2017, I also should say to the other two lads, I was there in Killarney in a county final that Brian kicked a free for South Kerry, which was, I'm not joking you, ridiculous length. Do you remember? What what, what year was that, Brian? It was definitely... Uh, you can. You have it up in your wall at home. I do, yeah. <laughs> um, it's about that was about sixty. It was down to the. It was down to the dressing. Would you lads like your own podcast where you can just <laughs> <play> <laughs> each other? <laughs> well, listen. Do you know what was? Do you know what we, we're all me- measuring? As as Brian says, fifty three, fifty five meters, Paul. Like adding the fact that he put it two at least two three yards outside the right post. I mean, Oshin is another superb free taker. 
I mean, you are talking the guts of 60 metres, and I'm sure, by the way, if they win the All-Ireland by Christmas, it'll be 70 metres. <laughs> yeah, no, it was an unbelievable kick, but just on the technique thing, I mean, you know, you're coaching lads from very young that you hit a 14-yard free exactly the same way as you hit a 60 a 60 yard free same technique same connection you know you see yeah you see lads hitting 21 yard free kicks maybe and dropping them short because it's just not the same and then you, you look at them going out the field and kicking one from 55 and you're thinking what are you you know what's going on there but it's just that's it it's just a uh repetition 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 I, I, won, I wonder, O'Sheen and Paul, can I ask you, um, because there would be, no more than there was about uh, Declan O'Sullivan uh, in his day, there was an appreciation within Kerry of that he was one of the greats. You know, he, like, you, you, you know, you're talking in Seamus Moynihan conversation with Declan, and there's already very much that conversation about Sean O'Shea in Kerry. Is that conversation out there, O'Sheen, nationally, that he is in the top one, two, three pound-for-pound footballers in the country? Well, look, at it. he has everything. And and you know what else he has? He has an aggression level that yeah. that mm. a lot of those carry lads maybe don't have. And he also has... He has ability... I think he has everything. I think you think he has absolutely everything. I think he's he's shown you know his versatility. He's played in the middle of the field. He's played at eleven. He's played in the full four lane. He looks comfortable in all those positions. He's a great passer of the ball. He's a great free taker. He's a, he can get goals. He can get you know. And he he honestly he looks also like a player that would be very happy coming off the field, having emptied the tank, not being on the scoreboard, but creating stuff for other people. And I'm telling you. As a forward, those lads are very few and far between, and uh, he just he just has all. So, uh, is that conversation out there? The conversation that a lot of people are having is: is he actually more important than Clifford, regardless of whether he's a better footballer or not? But is he more important to Kerry than Clifford is? That's a great that that is a great question. Again, and this this is, I think that's a great talking point because back in the day, people used to have the same conversation about Colin Cooper and Declan O'Sullivan. It was the exact same conversation. Who's the silkier skills player? Of course, the number 13. Who is more important? Who is the all-round best footballer in Kerry? People would say Declan O'Sullivan. And I think that there's a big shout, Brian, for Sean O'Shea. Well, didn't didn't the Throne lad, sorry, but didn't the Throne lad say that, you know, before um, they played Kerry, most of the focus was on O'Sullivan, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but like I agree with you, Tony, from the point of view that like Declan made that forward unit tick. The amount of work that Declan did, you know, carrying the ball. Like, I mean, when Declan was in his mid 20s, like he used to be the, the challenges, the hits he took, he used to carry the ball from one of the defeat to the other. And as it was, he, he was the fellow that was supplying the bullets to, to, to Gooch and to, to Donny and that kind of fellas above the work he was doing. Um, and, and Sean O'Shea is, 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 is definitely inside in that same bracket. Um, I, I look. I think he's a fantastic footballer. I think he's going to go down as one of the all-time legends of, of Kerry football. And he's still what age is he? He's still in his mid twenties. Is he? 20? He's only twenty. About twenty-five, is he? Yeah. Just mean they come. Please God, t- no. You just thought about that injuries isn't going to come and uh, affect him. But he's 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 many many years ahead of him in the real world. I, I was in the um, I was in the Gresham Hotel before the match. Um, I summer in the Gresham. I just take rooms there. No, I was in there having a. I was I was in there meeting a couple of people before the game, and I met um, 
a group of really sound fellas from from Churchill Club, which I think is near Tralee or on the edge of Tralee. Is that yeah, right? Really, yeah. really, yeah. really, really good fellas. And we had a conversation, which is an amazing conversation to have just before an All Ireland semi final. We're trying to work out how many of the current Kerry team would get into the into the Declan O'Sullivan, Colin Cooper team. And I think we came to the conclusion that we'd probably better wait until after the All-Ireland final and after there's a few medals won before uh, that conversation is fully taken out. But I just want to leave it in your heads for something that we will pick up uh, at some stage later on. But there is the small matter of an All-Ireland final against Galway. And Galway have a forward line that I think pose a threat to Kerry. They have a midfield that is going to be able to compete with Kerry's. And they have a backline structure, which is looks to me to be solid. And it 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 is one thing. I was thinking, I was thinking coming across Dublin today on the bike. There was a few Kerry people wandering around the city in jerseys in a kind of a disease delirium going around the place. They looked, they looked in fair shape. And they had a look of lads who were after an All-Ireland Sunday morning. And this was the Monday, but it was just a semi-final. I don't think it's a small matter. This final, this final is a really tight one. Nobody, I don't think you'll find anyone in this uh, podcast disputing you with that. I, I did the exact same thing coming down in the car last night, Paul. I was looking through the Galway team, uh, the Galway replacements. I was looking at matchups. There's an awful lot of threat. I mean, okay, leaving aside structure for a second. There's a serious amount of threat from 8 to 15 and beyond in that Galway setup. They're a very uh, they're a very balanced side. And you've got to remember, in relative terms, Matty Tierney had a quiet game Saturday. I mean, you know, Comer dominated everything Saturday. I mean, Shane Walsh did okay. Rob Finnerty was quiet enough on Saturday. Um, who's the other wing forward I'm thinking of? Not Kelly, the other side. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. Johnny Heaney, yeah, had a quite enough game. Should have got a goal, obviously, but... Did a huge amount of work, though, Tony. Did yeah, a huge amount my, of covering. My, yeah, but that's exactly my point. My point is, even not actually showing in a way that Comer showed, like, the amount of blue-collar kind of work that they put in, I just think that they're going to... The matchups are going to cause difficulties. But I think what's the most intriguing conversation point and it started right after the game already with a colleague of mine from Galway uh, in it is will Galway have the nuts to go, go to go man for man play the game at the risk of what might happen will they change their structure will they tweak their structure or will they have I think Paul Joyce certainly is the type of leader who has the confidence in what he is doing to send his players out and say we're going to stick to what we're doing we're going to beat Kerry in an All-Ireland final doing what we've been doing. The question I ask, though, is do they tweak that? Do they make it less open and more defensive? Or does that destroy their own plans? I think I think stick it to exactly what they've been doing. I think, um, they get, they're, like, remember, they are still getting... I still think they're getting to grips with a lot of... Um, what Like, I, I, I watched a lot of Galway this year before Armagh played them. Um, and to be honest, their structure was good against Mayo and it was good against Roscommon. 
But I, I thought the I thought the the one up tackling, I thought the man to man tackling, I thought it was it was really, really poor. And how much it's improved in that time. It's obviously something that they've recognised, how much it's improved in that time. So I actually still think that Galway in an all Ireland final are still a bit of a walk in progress. And I still think they're getting more comfortable with um, the way they play all the time. But I think when you're doing that, it needs to be franked by wins. And it's been franked by two big wins. Um, and also, um, you know, having to find out how to unlock Derry uh, and unlock Armagh um, really stands to them. And I think that they're going to, I think they'll play exactly the same way as they played at the weekend. I just think that they can't afford to play with the lack of, a little bit like Dublin, they can't afford to play with the lack of energy to play with in the first half against against Kerry or Kerry could be out the gap. Yeah, I think the one thing looking at Galway's games this year, I think they've improved with every game they've played. They've got better <clears throat> from the first outing right the way through to, to, to the dirty game. And they've got better and better. They have six forwards and two midfielders that are capable of scoring. I think outside of what we probably look at is the Kerry attack. I would think these set of Galway forwards with the Galway attacking set up are probably next to line with Kerry or they're there both with them even. Um but as it comes back to the defensive structure, no again look I know from watching the game the weekend when you're playing against the defensive side you have to kind of mirror to a certain degree. And Galway do set up quite defensively, like they're two wing forwards, uh, Paddy Kelly and Johnny Heaney just literally go back and play number five and number seven and the two wing backs just talking top of the at the edge of, at the top of the D. And I think they're going to look there's only two weeks to the final. There's only a week here of probably downtime to recover from the weekend. They're probably only going to go probably training hard maybe towards the night and probably the weekend. And then you're coming back into an Ireland final where they're deloading again. So they're not going to go change in the structure. I think they'd be mad to go do it. But the one thing that they would be fearful of, and I think Kevin Walsh mentioned this here during the last week when we were talking, is David Clifford. Do you double team him? Do they put all the attention on David Clifford? Or did they look at Sean O'Shea from yesterday and say, well, what a second, no. And I think that might just be the one thing that they might have to look at. I think it could be a case of Phoenix uh, in Real Ireland where you'll be looking for like Paul Ganey to step up yeah. and, and start kicking a couple of scores because I don't think Galway are going to be naive enough to go into an Ireland final and allow David Clifford to be able to shoot lights out or Sean O'Shea to shoot lights out. They're going to draw so much attention. And I think it's up to the other fellas now to step up to the plate here. I don't think we're going to get five points or six points off David Clifford from play. I don't think Galway will allow it. I think they'll have Sean Shea. They see how influential he has been. Um, so it's there are the two tweaks I think that Galway will have, whether they'll go the double sweeper again or whether they'll just concentrate on Clifford. So I think Kerry will look. They'll have a bit of work to do. I think Kerry will clearly think they were obviously working for the Dublin game, so there'll be a bit of tactics that, that will have to be looked at over the next few weeks. But um, look, this is not going to be an easy game. It's 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 an all Ireland final. So you don't get to an all Ireland final. Um, you don't just by look getting to an all Ireland final. Um, and God, we are deservedly there, and then they will take beating. They they are, and if you look at matchups, I I think what they'll do is I think they'll put Liam Silk. Um, Liam Silk going with uh, Paddy Clifford. I think will he, will he play? Will he play ball? Yeah. <laughs> the evidence he's now done it in Croke Park. The evidence <laughs> is clear. He must play. <laughs> <laughs> 
You've actually let me away with this one relatively lightly. I feel like there's a major snap coming at some point. In well, the... sorry, you, you said too that Sean O'Shea was missing the yard of pace, that he's uh, just that bit off us. I, I yeah, I'll I tell you, I, um, he, he makes up for it upstairs. I, asked the question, I, I did ask the question about that whether he did, was whether he was short a yard of pace, and that's again. Completely, completely gone. He actually, well, he actually needed the game, though. He definitely needed the game. Yeah. He definitely looked a wee. He didn't look as sharp the last day. He needed the game. I think. But he, he also physically. We didn't really talk about this. He physically took on John Small. I watched them for the first five minutes of the game. When the, but no matter where the ball was, he was handling them. So the handling mm-hmm. that we used to go on three years ago, the opposite way around, has been spun. <laughs> and John, John Small really, really struggled physically with Sean O'Shea, which is, which was. Uh, I think to watch, but if we if we if we think about, it, I think when when Gal when when um, Galway played Roscommon, Kieran Malloy went on Smith and just did a man marking job on him. I think Kieran Malloy might go to might go to to, to Sean O'Shea in the final. I think Kelly will go to Clifford, and I think Silk will go to Paddy uh, Paddy Clifford, um, and I think then I think you're hitting the nail on the head. That leaves space for a couple of others to do some damage and that's where it gets interesting but on the opposite way around who picks up Comer for Kerry they don't have anybody I think I know I, I, I think they trust Jason Foley to do that job now yeah. I think I, I think that there's a, a really that's one of the real plus points of this season is the management's trust in Jason Foley now obviously the system has helped hugely in terms of protecting the fullback but Everybody was talking earlier about how quiet Dean Rock was yesterday again. In fairness to Jason Foley, he got turned once this year in a game um, that cost him. But apart from that, he has been impressive. And in terms of speed, in terms of size, in terms of physique, there's probably, Brian, there's no no better matchup from a Kerry point of view than Jason Foley. Would you agree? Probably the only other person you're talking is probably Ty Morley, but he'd be lacking that bit of speed for him. But I, I, look, I think, as you say, you, you can only answer the questions that are put in front of you. And so far, Jason has answered the questions. Yeah. yeah. And I just think it's a case of you stick with him. And I just think the structure that Kerry have with Ty Morley coming back in there, yeah. um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to help. And obviously, I think it's going to be a case of, you know, when, when you see uh, Comer in and around the place, you know, you're just going to be leaning towards him that bit more like so I think the structure will help will definitely help you know so look the other thing too is this was it's, it's it's how much pressure they can put on put on the ball outside that they yeah. just don't let, let, let a good ball go into the corner. Matthew Tierney is massive. Matthew yeah. Tierney is massive in the final centre forward. I, I think I think Paul you what I don't think there's one thing we can't underestimate here and this is a plus for Kerry. We speak so frequently and you you know you roll your eyes when we do it about being undercooked uh, and Kerry coming in undercooked. And I always say, like, the All-Ireland quarterfinal is the most dangerous game of the year for Kerry. <laughs> it's the flip side now, by the way. That game yesterday is going to bring Kerry on a ton. And they don't have to wait four weeks for their yeah. next one. It's yeah. the perfect two-week gap to a final. So there can be no excuses from a Kerry point of view. That was absolutely the best possible, possible workout that they could have had building in to an All-Ireland final. The only, only concern I have at this stage is what do they do now if they've lo- lost Gavin White, which to me looks almost certain that they have. 
the way he was holding his knee, the way he limped off, that's not something you shake off in, in a fortnight. Yeah. And so in that situation, does Paul Murphy just get come straight in? Does Paul Murphy get the start? I, I don't. It looks the obvious play, but certainly in terms of going forward, like there are times, I know he hasn't had the best game, he didn't have a great game against Mayo, but like Gavin White is such a lethal, potent offensive weapon and he's basically uncatchable once he, he takes off. He's that quick. He is a huge loss for Kerry if he's out and all the signals from last night is that he is out. He, but he, I thought he actually played reasonably well, Tony, yesterday from the point of view. Yesterday he did. No, I was he saying did. about Mayo. I thought oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I know that. Yeah, but just, just, just thinking, I think he would be a massive loss because there was times yesterday where I was watching, you know, Tyke might be sucked out someplace, tracking a, or tracking a runner out of once or twice. He found himself out under the Hogan stand with Kieran McKinney. But then all of a sudden, Gavin White tucked in. And it was great understanding that they knew that if Tyke was gone, somebody else was to do it. And in fairness to him, he did it once or twice. He got a great lockdown as well during the first half. He, you know, again, it was his pace that got him out to, to get a hand on the ball and to block it down. Um, and and what I liked about him yesterday was that he didn't go down blind alleys. There was a couple of times yesterday where he was coming down to Hogan's stand and the gap in the wall would have kept going down, got turned over. Mm. Straight away, he turned back. And I think even where he actually got injured was a prime example of where he was going down the line, decided, no, this is going down a dead alleyway. He turned back. Yes, he got into a bit of traffic, but he offloaded, and he actually got injured uh, in, in that in that point. So, yes, I think he'll be. I think he'd be a massive loss, and I think, look, I think the only way we're going to do it is is possibly bring in Paul Murphy. But, um, I don't know. I think Kerry. I look. I don't think Kerry going to do anything silly. I think the team is picked. You know, is the team picked? Nine times out of ten, look, you win who, plays in, who plays in the middle of the field? Good question. That is a good question. It is. Um, I don't I think it's hard. I don't who think who plays at twelve? Well, that, that's it. I, I think I, I think O'Sheen raises a very fair mm. point there, Brian, because I think yesterday the three of them played yesterday. What I'm saying, the three of them, like Dermot O'Connor, obviously Jack and, and David Moore. I thought Dermot O'Connor had a quietish game yesterday. I don't think he had a big material influence on the game. I think Jack Barry will benefit hugely. I can't believe, by the way, that he got... I think he actually was on for the entire 76 minutes, he was, yeah. which is incredible Like for a guy who's missed the amount of training he has and to be trying to work on Brian Fenton for that length of time. But I also think, as Oshin and Paul said there, the 10 and 12 jerseys, no. You know, I mean... like So that's O'Connor, 8, 9, eight, eight nine, 10, 10 and 12. Yeah, Daramoyne and Stephen O'Brien, you know, I mean, but I think Oshin, they're good problems. I don't think no, no, no. it's not yeah. that you're looking and saying we've no I'm one for those positions. Yeah, it's one part of your team to pick. I, I don't know, but like at the same time, that you're you've this team has been st- pretty much the same team for a while, for in reason. Um, I don't think they're going to change massively now. Well, do you think David Moore plays in the final? I do. I, I do, I do, but my only concern I have, and I think it it, it, it raised its head yesterday, was some of the, the, the substitutions from Kerry yesterday just didn't seem to kick on. I thought the only mm-hmm. fellow that kicked on was Darren Mine. I thought Darren Mine came in, yeah, kicked the point, good. played a world of ball. Um, I thought he was very good. I don't think we got enough of Killian. Paul Ganey was poor yesterday, but I don't think Killian did anything to, to trouble him. Um, and my concern is the Kerry bench. You need that kick. You need someone who's going to come in and, and add something different to the game. Um, and I think whether Kerry are going to go down that avenue of 
do they hold David Moore and say, well, we need you to come in and see the game out for us? Or do they just start him? Or does Stephen does O'Brien... That, does that mean a midfield starting pairing of Damer O'Connor and Jack Barry? It could come back to this. It could. But, again, I don't know. I just think that's, you know, how David played in the quarterfinal. Start, it's, it's, I think you have to be slow to, change, to make too many changes. I don't think you want to upset the balance of the whole team. Mm. Or do you do you play do you play just go listen like if the sh- if there is players badly out of form is it is the is the tendency not to change them rather than hope they're going to play themselves in the form? Well, you look yeah, but you're looking at seeing at a bigger pick. I mean, you could you could be referencing Paul Ganey there, and Paul Ganey oh. is one of those players where. He'll shoot the lights out, or sometimes he can try to force things. And yesterday was one of those latter days where he didn't get in the game. When he did, then he tried to force things, poor shot selection, turned over a couple of balls. I'm actually genuinely looking at that though and saying that's not an issue for Kerry because you have Tony. I probably think he'll play. I think I think I I think Gene will play. I'll actually be more interested to see if O'Brien plays. Well, it's Dara Moynihan or Stephen O'Brien for the 10 I don't know how we get back on the carry from goal anyway, but here we are. <laughs> we're picking the team. So Jack would be delighted we're picking the team from here. Uh, <laughs> I think, think there is a couple about, of decisions, though. We do, we, we do have to talk about um, we do have to talk about Hawkeye and what happened in the middle of that game and what it means for a system who, which the GA has invested a lot of money in and it this isn't just a one and once off controversy this is another controversy and mm. it's problematic for the GA because once you lose once you lose the faith of uh, or, or or the sense that the, the the system works i think it's done i can't see how they can use it in an all ireland final i don't see how it has credibility now are you talking about the hurling paul next sunday oh can't you they can't use it in the hurling or the football I tend to agree with you unless and until Hawkeye offer the kind of explanation that says this was just a computer malfunction. It's a software issue. It's something that we've actually rectified. Um, yeah. And like, I, I, I don't well, You like heard it. what Lee Keegan said, right? You heard do, what Lee I Keegan do, said about Mayo having the point against against Kerry and he was clear about it. It's not like it decided the match, but he's clear it was a point. And as a player, I think you always know whether a ball has gone over the bar or not. But but uh, this is not the first time we had the issue in 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 2019 with uh, Brian Hogan, the Tipperary goalie, he absolutely. I've spoken to Ken Hogan, who you'll know from the Hurling podcast here, brilliant Tipperary goalkeeper for many years. Brian is um, absolutely clear that the two points that were awarded against him, that he was in front of the crossbar when when the points were given, absolutely clear about it. And in that same year of 2019, Kerry had a a camogie point, a similar decision made. Umpires cleared that the ball hadn't gone over the bar. Hawkeye gave it. So this is this is not new. And when 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 technology, Park Joyce had a brilliant line uh, at the weekend where he says, "Turns out the technology is human as well." And of course he's right because a human designs it, a human operates it, and a human calibrates it. Mm. And once it goes, that's once it goes, it's gone. Yeah. I um, think we were. I think I think they were lucky 
uh, in two instances, um, Paul, with the weekend. Uh, one, obviously, the obvious one, that there was television cameras there and that it was so clearly inside the post. And I think, too, the fact that it actually happened so close to halftime. I think it actually gave the officials the pause to actually someone to show them on a monitor. And it was so evident and so clear that justice had to be served in that instance. What the question that should be asked is if that had happened 10 minutes from the end of the game and it was waved wide and Galway had lost the game, the All-Ireland semi-final by a point then you are into all sorts of yeah. very, very, very difficult situations to manage. And there's your technology, as you rightly say, a busted flush. It brings in the question everything that it's done before. I agree. You know, I agree. And Marty Clark, who I, who I spend a lot of time in the car traveling to and from matches with, has been bending my ear about this for four years. And I've got to the point where when he starts talking about Hawkeye, I pretend that my phone's off the ring. And, uh, <laughs> and I pretend that, I'm, <clears throat> that I have, must take a call. But he's been bending me ear about it for four years and uh, is adamant that there's been a glitch in the system for a long, long time. Um, and he was proven right <laughs> at the weekend. There was one of the one of the ones in the, in the Talson Cup where Westmead were given a wide, and even the trajectory of the ball did not make any sense whatsoever. It made no sense, absolutely. From the, sh- from the shot that I was after seeing being taken, that I was convinced, convinced was over the bar. And it would come up on the screen that it was like two yards wide, but the, tra- yeah. the trajectory of the shot was as if a right footer had after taken it, whereas it was actually somebody who kicked it off the left. Mm. And uh, it's only now, it's easy in hindsight, obviously, but just no, it's disappointing. Yeah, but a small thing to come back to here is <clears throat> with the the Godly one. What do you wears? I mean, you could clear as, as they see that it was over the back. Yes, and they knew, Brian. They but knew. Why the you, but, but, why, but why was it going to Hawkeye? The Hawkeye no, interfered. They, Hawkeye interfered. Yeah, Hawkeye, interfered. Hawkeye interfered. So, so the umpire knew, and anyone who's ever done umpire knows that <clears> the <throat> easiest thing to do is to judge whether a fifty goes over the bar or not because you're in the right position before that's what I'm saying like, I don't, that's, yeah okay that's fair enough so yeah I, I thought it was just questioning the umpires here like when saying like no that that was genuinely I think it's a huge problem for for the GA because so don't forget the whole commercial package built around this as well I was looking out actually behind the behind the Cusick stand they had Specsavers had sponsored this kid's face painting on Sunday so you have this system where where Hawkeye has just been unraveled and you have the sponsors for the GA out the back with a whole package built around it number one you have people over the last number of years calling for Hawkeye to be put into every GA ground in the country it's like it's just it's cracked stuff technology is applied by humans yeah, are you absolutely so ruling it out for next Sunday and Sunday week, Paul? You think oh, absolutely no, I, no t- way. I'm, Tony, I'm t- I'm saying this straight out. Uh, this this is not just next Sunday and the All-Ireland final. I'm saying you cannot go back to a system which is not a dedicated system for this mm. until something comes up, someone comes up with a new credible scoring recognition system that that is fit for purpose that has been tested repeatedly. Then then it's it's out the gate. If not, give it to the umpires. Is that a chip in a ball? I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I know that it doesn't work. What is there now at the moment does not work. There's been too many glitches, and it cannot be trusted. It's 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 when it, when it, when a system loses credibility, it's done. 
because mm. big and I'll tell you why I'll tell you why I think this really strongly um, the 2014 All-Ireland Hurling final Bubbles O'Dwyer had the late free to win it for Tipperary yeah. against Kilkenny now we can argue about whether the free should have been given in the first place or not but it was given and there are two guys I know one from Kilkenny one from Tip who were standing behind that free and they swear to their dying day that that ball was over the bar even though Hawkeye gave it wipe the two of them both one Kilkenny one Tip but I so I put that to a GA official sensible man a couple of days afterwards and he said yeah he said that's fine but the technology at least we have the technology now who who we can say the technology says it was definitely a point so we have to go with that and you have to accept that but that 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 can no longer be accepted mm. like it's such an egregious failure that you just you just can't go back to it so was the referee correct so to overrule it when when he saw the evidence with his own eyes at half time yeah that's a that's a big question that's a big question because if you go down that road, your point is the right one because if that happened 10 minutes from the end or five minutes from the end of normal time and the final whistle had gone, had blown, yeah, you know, do you change the scoreline then? Or if it had happened early in the half, do you change the scoreline? What you're doing is a retrospective casting of decision-making and that's not something that has ever been done in GA before. So it's a, the, the rules changed on... on like the rule book changed on Saturday in in an ad hoc way. Yeah, um, but it, yeah, but the opportunity time, in, in yeah, an All Ireland semi final. Yeah, but the opportunity arose to apply natural justice, and they were absolutely correct to do so. They were absolutely correct to do so. They would have been laughed out of court, out of Jones's Road, and out of Ireland if they all went in at half time, saw what happened, and said. Sorry, lads, you know, Hawkeye says it was wide. I can't give it. When your own eyes as an official tells you that it's a yard inside the post. We're just, we're very lucky, A, that that happened, but B, that that game didn't come down to a score at the end, that it was very comprehensive in the end, which is why everybody was happy enough to move on, which is why Crow Park themselves were happy enough to stand down Hawkeye, say, this is not going to be in use tomorrow. It's not going to be in use until further thing. My point is, we got away with one on Saturday. It could have been absolutely a catastrophic event. And never, I never like to agree with you, Paul, but I do think definitely the thing needs to be stood down until and unless we get some cast iron guarantee, if such even exists at this stage, that is 100% balls accurate going forward. By that rule of thumb, if, you, if Shane Walsh is as wide, then surely Sean O'Shea is as wide as well. Which one? Oh, sure by, by Hawkeye. Yeah. Mm. You okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, Just trying to lighten the mood. Yeah. No. So, so I'll finish. I'll, I'll fin we'll finish this on one point. The should should then they have gone back and looked at all the TV angles on the dairy point that wasn't given by Hawkeye earlier in the half. Well, we looked at it last night. It was over the bar. <clears throat> was it? The last one, yeah. So this is my problem. So so you applied you didn't apply natural justice, Tony. You applied selective national natural justice about a very narrow aspect of a half because it was so bad. Is is Connor Glass's one the one that looked as if it went over the top of the crossbar? Yeah. Oh Sorry, the top, top of the post. Yeah, it didn't. It was it was it was roughly similar to uh how far Walsh's was inside. Obviously that we didn't have the benefit of the of the extended post, but we did that last night. Mm. 
And that's and this is my point. You it was a very selective application of natural justice, and that's not how you make decisions in an Ireland semi-final. I think obvious justice, so maybe is the word as opposed to natural justice. Obvious justice. I, I remember the Connor Glass when it looked to me like if the post had extended upwards, it would have hit the post. Hit the hit the post. No, uh, it was, it was no a yard inside it. So what a yard inside it? Yeah. Nah, not a hope pushing. I don't. I. I. I well, you can. You can look. You can. Look, you, can you can look back and I mean, a, a, maybe not a yard, half a yard. Then I don't know. I don't sell carpet or anything. I don't even know what a yard is. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's actually no situation in which I will buy a carpet from you. <laughs> what a magic carpet. There's absolutely no situation in which that would take place. The Talchin Cup. The Talchin Cup finished on Saturday. And I would like to reference the scenes in Mullingar on Saturday yeah, evening yeah. when when Westmead came home. And I I would like to start from the position that uh, I would like to acknowledge another one of my failures, which is I will be hugely sceptical about this competition. And I still am sceptical about it in terms of it's what it's supposed to achieve for a lot of counties. But there is no denying what it meant to the players who competed in it in the latter stages of it and what it meant to Westmead to win and to the people, people around Mullingar on Saturday night. And Oshin, the Talchin Cup, how do you now look at this competition? How did you look at Saturday? I look at it in reverse. <laughs> I look at it in the exact same way as you do. Uh, I looked at the scenes in, <clears throat> in Westmead. I looked at the scenes and how pleased the players were after the game. Um, I looked at a lot of the quality of the uh, of the um, fair that was on offer. Um, it, it almost as if there's a naivety to the way that, that the competition was played, if if that makes sense. Um, and I thought the outstanding stat walking away from it was uh, Westmead twenty three out of twenty three from their own kickouts um, was absolutely outstanding. And considering out of twenty three of those. Cavan probably pushed on fourteen or fifteen of them. So, um, amazing. Uh, uh, I I I really felt like obviously the 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 Thomas Galligan thing won four to no score. Westmead uh, won the game after he was sent off. So uh, that's the big turning point in the game. But I th- actually thought Westmead were probably a little bit better, a little bit more dynamic going forward. O'Toole thought was really really good. Yeah, uh, on the day, yeah, on the day that Heslin was 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 quiet enough, so um, enjoyed it and looked at it in reverse and think, yeah, it's a it's a it's 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 a model that needs to be now tweaked a little bit. The fact there's round robin next year, I think, creates difficulties for it in that you know I'm not quite sure where's the window of opportunity to show these games running alongside the senior championship, but. Um, all in all, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be um, very happy with it. I, I think it's important to reference. Yeah, and you're right, Kevin. Kevin, until Galgan was sent off, did look like they were going to just get out the gate. But I think there's a couple of things to reference about Westmead. They have a brilliant manager in Jack Cooney, yeah, who agreed. who has them properly organised, really fit, and he has them really competitive and he's 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 a, he's a kind of a fascinating character in how, in how he does it he's interested in all the off field stuff he engages in everything that they do and and he's just he's just a quality person and i think that really matters number 1 and number 2 
the Westmead GAA have done incredible work. So here's here's something for you. The Leinster School Senior Football Championship, there are five Westmead schools competing in Division One of the Leinster Schools Senior Football Championship. Two from Athlone, um, one from Moat, one from Rotterbridge, and one, I think, from Mullingar. So that is that is it may be some of the more populous counties have a couple have one school or more, but Westmead is right up there at the very limit of maxing out their schools and they're using those schools as academies to feed them through into their into their teams and it's really well done. And Westmead at the same time field a competitive hurling team who competed in the in the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship. So there's mm. something really well being really well done in 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 the Westmead County Board. And I think already those two counties look to be a class apart in Division Three for the National Football League and have legitimate aims aims to 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 go up to go up the boards here in in the next while. Tony, would you change the competition for next year? I know it's going to round robin, but Yeah, no. Um I, I actually put it out there on social media Saturday. I actually couldn't genuinely believe the scenes in Mullingar. It was really only that moment. I mean obviously in Crow Park on the day you're going to have excitement on the pitch and you don't get a sense necessarily in terms of what's going on in the Hogan stand because that's the side the camera's on. When I saw what, what I mean, genuinely, when I saw what was happening in Mullingar on Saturday night, I actually tweeted like that this is the GA's marketing campaign right here, right now for next year. I mean, if that's the level of excitement that winning the Talton Cup can create, that is an unbelievable springboard to work from. And it's funny you you reference, Paul, um, the, the schools uh, and the, the fact that they're all competing in the A grade because I had the very exact same conversation with a prominent official, I, I won't say the county, but from a neighbouring county, uh, you'll probably know the county involved and the fact that they're so poor right now, their football is in the doldrums, is inextricably linked to the fact that they don't have a single school competing at the senior A grade in Leinster schools football at the moment. Um, and it's not awfully, by the way. But no, awfully of two. Yeah, so it, it, it's an ind- yeah, it's an indication oh. of what Westmead are doing well. And, you know, I, I genuinely think that it's a great springboard for them. I think it's a great springboard for the competition. I do slightly worry on O'Sheen's point about going if they're going head-to-head against senior championship stuff in round robin, that it may take that little bit longer to catch fire. But let's be fair about it. It was only really at the semi-final stage this year that the greater GA population engaged and everybody then started saying, yeah, Cavan and Westmead are the best two sides in it. Apologies to Offley for saying so. But and I, I must admit, until Galligan sending off, I actually did think Cavan were probably going to get over the line even though I did think some of the Westmead forwards, like Ronan O'Toole, you mentioned, like were particularly good. But I think what it might do for Westmead... Well, do you know what? I won't, I won't surprise what it might do. It'll be very interesting to see what it does in 2023 in terms of propelling Westmead forward. Jack Smith was an interesting one as well. He obviously came from Scaries and played with uh, Westmead, I think, through his, through his dad. Yeah. Um, I just wonder, would, would people look at Jack Smith within Dublin, not getting into the Dublin ranks and think, you know, would it be worth my while going elsewhere? And I know it's happened, it definitely has happened before. Well, I wonder would this <clears throat> open the floodgates a little bit 
and it certainly looked as if it helped Westmead hugely. He looks a very impressive individual. Oh, it's yeah. been happening back for, for, for decades. Oshin, if you look at Leitrim winning their Connacht champion, like Declan Darcy coming down from Dublin was, 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 was huge in that. And I think, I think it is something that, that is, um, it, it, it is of interest to see what's, what's going to happen here. I want to say one more thing about the Talchin, if, if I may, and that is that there is this idea that it's going to raise football across the board in Division 3 and 4 and giving people an aim for it. That's not going to happen. There are counties who are not competitive in the Talchin Cup and the difference between, for example, Westmead and Cavan and the teams who are mired in Division 4 is a world apart. The teams are at the bottom of that or is a world apart and and relying on the Talchin Cup alone to fix that is is just not going to happen. Structural mm. change isn't going to happen without proper investment, proper coaching and everything that goes everything that goes um, with that. I want to leave... Um, I will say, by the way, we talk about people Talchin Cup only getting going at semi-final weekend. The All-Ireland Senior Football Championship, the football championship really was very patchy with the exception of Ulster until until the All-Ireland quarter-final stage. So there's an element of that mm. about it yeah, anyway. You're on about the Talchin Cup and it only kicked off at the semi-final stage. But I think that was because it was only then it started getting proper televised coverage. It started getting games inside in Crow Park. And I think that's the only reason why. I think if these games... Can even go as double headers and and you know get maybe one or two of them televised. I think it might kick off. I think that's what the players want. I think players want this the exposure. I think of playing games and two thousand people, three thousand people watching them. I just don't I don't think there's any incentive for them from the point of view. Not saying that that's the only incentive they have, but I think if you look at the Westmead, as you said, the celebrations that Westmead had and what they showed, I think those other counties that will say, okay, no. If we put a bit of work into this, there is a possibility we can be home Crow Park. We can we can target the semi final this year. We can target next year. We go into this and we say, right, Sligo can say we got to a semi final. Now all of a sudden, Kevin and Westmeet are after moving on. You can turn around and say, okay, I think there's something here for us to go at. And I think it might just give those few teams that extra incentive. Um, but I just think going back to what I, I said last week as well is playing inside Crow Park in a full house, that's what players want. And I think I- that's where Westmeet. Really, really, I think where it felt like a proper All Ireland because it, it's it's and it is an All Ireland. Don't get me wrong, it is an All Ireland for them. And I think playing inside in Crow Park and full house All Ireland final day for them in Crow Park, I think that's what's about. And I think it loses this if if we don't start getting more games into Crow Park, it being double headers for the Talent Cup. I think it, I think that's where it will kick on. And I think players want to be able to go to Crow Park, play in big crowds, and I think that's what they want. I I think uh, this idea of a big crowd. In Crow Park was never better illustrated than yesterday in in the sound. I thought there was a subdued enough atmosphere. There was a bit of nerves around before the ground. And when the parade started, there was a roar went around Crow Park wow. yesterday. Brilliant. When the parade started, that was unbelievable. The atmosphere in the last 20 minutes was I was just it was just sensational. And um I I never thought I would see uh Grown men in a mosh pit anymore, but when Johnny O'Shea's <laughs> Johnny O'Shea's point went over, when we were in the Cusick, it was it was legs and arms and 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 just bedlam, and it just makes you want the final to come. I can't wait for two weeks' time. Thank you to to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to Raf Rocker, to Jack Neville, to Tony Lean, to everyone at Examiner Sport. Thanks to Reno. 
uh, for all their support with the podcast. Um, a huge thanks to Ushi McConville, to Brian Sheehan, and again to Tony uh, Lean for joining us today. Thanks to our sponsors, Renault, the Renault Capture, the versatile, compact family SUV. You're still the one I run to, the one that I belong to. You're still the one I want for a Yeah. Come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, Green and 